Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Level Up podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. We've got a fantastic conversation on deck for you today. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about building agents who can stand on their own two feet, becoming the mentor that we need to be to the agent so that we grow the kind of team and the kind of business that uh, that is sustainable and profitable. So we've got a lot of fun things to dive into today, a lot around the topic of leadership. And I can't think of anyone better to have on me about a podcast on leadership than Greg Harrelson. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. And you know, you knew this. This is almost, I feel like I'm being set up, man. You knew you were going to (laughs) deliver me a present today. And the present was having a fantastic conversation that just has a great leadership mindset. So I, yeah. I, I couldn't be more excited to be on this podcast today, for sure. I know. I've, been, I've been looking forward to this one, too, ever since we got Samer on the schedule. So, Samer Karashi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, Samer, give us an idea. We'll, we'll talk about kind of the mindset and the leadership stuff in a second, but just give people an idea of what the team looks like that you're leading and what where you guys stand right now. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I run a boutique brokerage called the One Street Company here in Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia. Uh, going on my 19th year. Um, I manage a team of 40 agents. So we have a COO, general counsel, two admins, and a director of business and development. So we have about 44, 45 on staff, including myself, who's also a full-time agent broker. And how much uh, are you still kind of in the trenches? Do you, do you still produce? Uh, and if so, how, like how much of that does it time does that take of your schedule? Sure. I mean, listen, man, uh, you, you know, you got to lead by example, right? So yes, I, we are very competitive here. We have a leaderboard and Right now, I'm sitting at number two at roughly $19 million in sales, and I hear about it every day. Uh, but on average, I do between 24 and $27 million a year. You know, at the end of the day, I still have clientele. I still manage the prop, the, 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 you know, the office. But one thing, one thing that you do learn in time is the things that you don't like to do, how you build a job description. And then luckily, I have some really amazing talent here that can help me uh, continue moving this boat forward. Love it. <laughs> I like that. The things you don't like to do is how you build a job description. All right. So, uh, yeah. so tell me a little bit about the agents in the company. Are they are they all specialists? Are they all generalists? Can they can they do work both sides of the business? All that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, look. Um, I think in life you have to be not one dimensional. You need to be multi dimensional, and you have to have a value to yourself. And you know, I don't teach real estate. I teach psychology. Um, and I, you know, once you know how to deal with problems, how to be creative. And, you know, I've taken a lot of agents and I don't even call them agents. I I always say we're real people doing real estate. And at the end of the day, yeah, there's a million real estate agents out there. But, you know, don't you want to have a partner, a real human being connection, uh, someone who can actually listen to your goals from a client perspective to, you know, the broker that you're working with? Like this should be a fun and and enjoyable ride, even though it's one of the most you know rigorous uh, transactions that you go through. Uh, but I've been able to take these guys and gals and really teach them life and how to be ethical and how to be honest and how to respect the game. And, you know, look, selling real estate is probably the easiest part of my job. Um, and it's not even a job. This is a lifestyle, right? There's no personal separation and business separation. Everything is my lifestyle and it's movement. And everyone that's here in my office today is somebody I handpicked uh, or organically came to me. And we were, I, and, you know, one thing that's good about me is I had this gut. You know, I may not be the guy that's reading books and have a big resume. Uh, but I do know talent and I know how to extrapolate everything out of those folks. 
And my guys are multidimensional. Uh, they can buy, they can sell, they can do everything. Because I tell them when there's a rainy day, you want to be the top 1%, right? You want someone to be, you don't want to be able to say to somebody, oh, I don't know, or I need to pass you on. Or, you know, like for example, we have three different states that we do business in. You don't want to be the guy that has one DC license, not Maryland and Virginia. You don't want to tell your client you can't do something. So I try to teach them every facet. But in the, in the, tra- in the, in the trajectory of being a real estate agent, you learn how to deal with buyers. You learn how to deal with renters first. Usually you don't jump into the listing side. But it's really important that my folks now are learning investment deals, development deals, property management. You know, how does the, how does the title company interact? The mortgage guy. Like, you can't just be living in a box or you'll always be in a box. Love it. Yeah. And Greg, that's to me that that's one of the reasons why I like Samer and his business model and his approach to leadership is that I feel like that's very similar to your approach. And part of why I really was looking forward to kind of putting you guys in a conversation together. Uh, that seems to me that that's your approach and has been for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they, basically, I, I look at it as uh, as my jobs to develop talent. Right. I, I've said that so many times. But what I think people miss is that. I would say the majority of our job in terms of developing talent has nothing to do with teaching them how to sell real estate. It really has a lot more to do with teaching them, you know, how to be disciplined, uh, teaching them how to make commitments to habits, certain habits that'll lead to certain, you know, uh, 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 results. It's about um, teaching them how to handle rejection. It's about teaching them to um, get through when they think everything's about ready to go wrong and everything is going wrong. How, you know, teaching them the mindset that, you know, that helps them be the solution versus being part of the problem. I mean, that's where I think we really have our job cut out for us. Um, it, it's that side of it that really helps us develop talent and get results from people. Way more because anybody, listen, they don't need me or Samer to um, to teach them how to sell real estate. I mean, they can just go to Google. Google teaches them how to sell real estate. If they know how to answer, ask a question, then Google's got an answer. But why can't people just ask questions, get answers and be successful? Because it's much more beyond that. Hmm. So, Samer, tell me a little bit about the structure of just how you uh, First of all, how, how do, is leadership kind of built into the rhythm of your week and your guys' months? So are you, are, do you guys base everything off of bringing people into your amazing facility and trying to get people in person, rubbing shoulders, uh, you know, and doing trainings that way? Or are you trying to get people into one-on-one meetings or phone calls with you guys as a leadership team? So just tell me a little bit about just how the practical parts of the leadership work first. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, you know, by being in the trenches, you know, we, you know, I'm always teaching them as much as I can from the transactions that I have in real time. Um, But as we've grown, you know, I can't just always be the face. So I've been able to get three great captains or quarterbacks and I broke up the office into three different teams, like internal sub segments. The team is used loosely. It's just like three people I can hold accountable for the people below them. And, you know, again, blow against a bad word, but in that sense of a, of a team structure, team leader, team members. And I am buying a lot of leads out there. So, you know, I basically give each team leader a certain portion of the 30-day cycle to be able to generate leads, to give it to them, to pass it out to their team members. They meet once a week together. We meet as a company once a month. I'm always on call, answering questions, being there for them in real time. And even if they don't call me, I'm on top of them. I'm texting, I'm calling, I'm emailing. I'm congratulating. 
you know, I'm always running around the office saying what's up, what's going on. And I never really ask them about their wins. I talk about the losses. I talk about the obstacles, the problems, because that's what makes you who you are. If every transaction was easy, why do we need anyone? I always tell them the same thing. So I'm like, look, it's always tough. And it's, it's, it's going to show you who you are. So we are very hands-on. You know, when it comes to new, new agents, they're shadowing me. They're shadowing one of my other guys. And at the end of the day, it's not about whose agent that person is. It's about teaching them the street. And hence why I called the company One Street. It's learning from the ground. It's learning, you know, how to be gritty, how to be passionate, how to be strong, and how to keep moving forward, um, especially in a very, very hard industry. Yeah. You know, one question that I have, Matt, and, and for you, Samers, is um, – so how are you attracting, what, what is your methodology for attracting talent? Because it takes, I think you're probably, you have to be good at putting the right people into this, uh, to this operation. So how are you vetting talent on the front end and, and, and growing your team? Yeah, like I said, we, you know, I probably turn down more people than I hire, um, to be honest with you. I'm not the big conglomerate brokerage where, you know, it's fast food and, you know, anyone has a license or is breathing, get the job. You know, we really want to keep the culture amazing. Um, you know, this is really like family, even though this is a cutthroat business that I'm, I'm building and I've built. Um, it's about the collaboration. It's about, you know, that gut that I have with that person. I mean, really, it's that initial phone call or, or initial sit down that I have with the person one on one. And I know right away. And look, mm -hmm. I'm not old. It could also be my weakness. But at the same time, I acknowledge that. But I have a lot of wins just on gut, just on meeting people and how they interact and how they talk. You know, not everyone's going to be like me, which I've learned early on in my career. But my God, it's, it feels amazing when you're just having a great conversation. It's not about selling them or dancing around them with what all the great numbers that we have. So I've kind of boiled it down to just, look, I want to be around people I like and I want them to like me and I want them to wear this company on their sleeve. And, you know, whatever I do in my life, they also need to know that I think of them. And, you know, whether it's going to the bar, whether it's getting in trouble, I mean, any big decisions, anything that you do outside of here is also going to correlate to your to your brethren. And mm -hmm. so, you know, really, I don't have a big clockwork besides my gut and just kind of meeting people and seeing what's going on and, and just kind of taking it from there. Obviously, I have a general counsel who runs the firm who's also the COO and she'll sit down with you and iron out those little details. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gut man. Yeah. Are, are a lot of the people that you brought on, were they already in the business? You, they were already doing production. You recruited them over or are you developing talent from scratch? No. I mean, 98 percent of the, the folks here are from scratch. Yeah, that's what um, I thought. You know, I mean, literally, I mean, I, I'll go to a bar and she's an amazing bartender and I'll keep going there until I get her to come with me. Another guy was in the hospitality business that owned a bar as well. He had a restaurant and he you know, sold all that stuff, came on. I had another guy who was, uh, was a general manager at a restaurant. I had other people that are in, hot, in um, the timeshare business. I mean, everyone, there's only one group that I have here today was in the business for certain, like, over five years. I actually had a team. Um, and I'm not out there recruiting. I mean, everyone's always recruiting my agents. But guess what? They haven't left. And there must be, we must be doing something right. But, you know, this business is, you know, every time you do a transaction, someone's calling your agent and trying to pull them away and pull them away. And I've learned that you have to add value. I know, I, you know, I may not be all the value that they need. Of course, leads are great. Systems are great. But I think if I was ever to leave where I'm at, you know, leadership is super important. Someone I can talk to, someone I can relate to, someone that's not going to tell me, go Google it, right? 
or, you know, go to my open house and do the, the stupid little work that doesn't really make me learn anything. So I think the culture that we've created of everyone here is in it for themselves, but they're not. They're here to support everyone and grow everybody. And that's why we're the one team, you know? And so I'm really happy that over all my years, I've been able to really walk into a place, be super comfortable, super happy, and enjoy my, the, my surroundings uh, in this business. Yeah. You know, Matt, I was up at uh, Century 21 corporate office yesterday um, meeting with the CEO of uh, Rilogy and, uh, and a lot of the Rilogy staff and uh, talking with them. And I, I made a, a statement and first time I had made the statement, but I think it really applies here. And, and that is this. It's like so many existing agents has, have lost faith in their company's ability to deliver value. Existing agents in the industry have lost faith in their company's ability to deliver value. So therefore, when they're looking at other options in companies, their motivation is all about savings. The agent says, well, my company has no value, so I might as well go somewhere else that has no value so I could save money. So like a lot of times when, when you're building a business model like we're talking about here, it's hard to get those existing agents to come back into a model like this because they've lost faith that there's any value from a company level. So the existing agents are always making moves based on savings. New agents are always making moves based on wanting to make more money. Totally different conversation. They're in this one business, a bartender or whatever, and they're wanting a career where they can make more money and maybe more stability and things like that. So they're attracted to this business model. Um, but existing agents, and not saying that existing agents are not attracted to his business model, I'm generalizing here. The person who's seeking savings is not because they're greedy, it's because they've lost faith that the brokerage has any value. Hence why I asked him, you know, is his agents existing or a new licensee? Most of them are new licensees. Notice that mine is the same exact thing. Most of them are new licensees. Hmm. That's interesting. So Sam, there's a, a lot of similarities there. Yeah, definitely a lot of similarities. Sam, what's your perspective on recruiting new agents was that was that an intentional choice because you felt like it was going to be that way or did it did it just did you follow down the path of oh this seems to be working let's do more of it well i mean basically in 2012 when i started buying online real estate right i bought call it real estate on the cloud um you know it was just me and an admin and then i realized you know a samar can't be in every place at the same time and as i kept on buying more leads and buying more leads i said you know what i have to grow and i have to go and hire and I finally have an added value to give somebody. Um, so I started, right. you know, you know, adding more agents as I met them. Um, and then I, I grew them to into from, you know, 2012 to now we sold over $1.2 billion in sales and over 4,000 transactions. And we had to have grow. And so now for the first time, my small entity, my boutique brand, it didn't matter what my name was. It was my name that mattered and what value I'm adding to them. And so it just over time, all those people that I randomly met, you know, a couple of my big agents that sold over $100 million for me in the last couple of years were my Zillow. And I just saw the tenacity in him and his wife, and I brought them on. I mean, it's literally like deja vu, weird. I don't know what you call it, but, you know, I guess when your energy is aligned in a good place, things happen. I'm literally not the guy that calls other people through Zillow or at closings and say, hey, you should drop where you're working at. Because I hate when they do that to me. 
but I understand right. the game, but I never have done it and I never will. And mm-hmm. I enjoy not putting a circle through a square and just letting life take its course and letting it be where it is. People would love to be here. And like I said, if you're, if you're not top talent, I want to be able to have a place where every roster is filled with the best of the best, the best people, right? I don't care how much you've sold or whatever is going to be, you know, are you good fit for this business? Because when I was sending leads out, I used to personality match the leads, you know, and I would really, and I, the people that are working with certain people, I put them with a personality match because I think that's what's really important. Just like clients, right? Like if you know one guy is not going to be a great fit, like I shouldn't do it. It's not just about getting a deal done. It's about building a long-term relationship. And those little things mattered. And look, looking back at it, I think it worked and it's working. And I think, look, anyone can sell a house, but you really need real people doing real estate and people, the market's shrinking agents. It's harder and harder for, for younger agents to come into this business or inexperienced agents, especially as the market shifts and technology is relevant. And, you know, if you're not the top 1%, as time goes on, you're going to see a bigger shift. Brokerages are buying brokerages. Teams are becoming super teams. And, you know, it's tough out here for a broker. So if you're not always evolving and change and, and being nimble, you're not going to make it. Yeah. So I've, I've got, uh, I've got a, a couple of questions for Sam. Greg, was there anything you wanted to follow up on just the recruiting angle before we move into more of the leadership conversation? No, I, I don't think so. I think that that's kind of very clear. You know, he's attracting, yeah. he's, he basically is attracting it, um, as yeah. well as, um, and he's, he seems to have a good eye for identifying, um, talent, you know, just in, in at the grocery store or wherever yeah. he is. You know, he's, you, he seems, you seem <laughs> yeah. to always be looking for that next talent. And then, and, and you know what? When you, when you have an eye for it and you're always, and you always have your eyes open, it's amazing how much talent is actually out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. There's talent everywhere. You just have to really be intentional about looking for it and having your eyes open. Yeah, I love it. So Sam, you've gone through just like, just as your business has grown and evolved, um, I mean, you're, you're supervising or you have 45 people kind of on the team now. So you've gone through a couple of evolutions. You've been a solo agent. You've been a small team guy. You've been a boutique team guy. Now you're growing the team larger and now you're at the point where the agents on your team have kind of a layer of management between you and them. So you've gone through a couple of evolutions as a leader. So what's been some of the interesting things you've noticed or maybe places where you've noticed that you've had to grow as a leader, like as your organizational has structure has changed? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have to tr- trust more, right, and let go of a little bit more of control. I think that has been the hardest. I mean, it was a couple of years ago where I used to be the one that, you know, sent out all the leads. You know, I'm spending a million dollars a year on marketing and, um, yeah. you know, I was the one distributing the leads out. So you kind of felt like you were controlling your money. And I remember one time I went on vacation and I had to let them go. And then I just never took them back. And I think it was a big wall for me because I have, to, if I'm ever going to grow myself, I have to let go of control. And so I was able to let somebody take on my, my leads and, 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 and also put that person in play in front of all these people that, you know, a lot of agents become sometimes like in high school. They think someone's stealing all the good leads and cherry picking this, cherry picking that, you know, and end up being the people that are they're calling the cherry pick are the ones on the bottom of the batch. Right. And it's unfortunate, but that's that's the high school we live in sometimes. You know, and as it continued to grow and I said, look, I'm, I'm getting so much volume here. You know, I always wanted to be an attorney, but, you know, I just never had the time to go to school for that. But, um, you know, that's why I went out really. And, I, and, I, and that's one person that I did seek out was uh, hiring an attorney. Uh, to run the firm as a COO and, and become the broker of record. 
And I think it's really important as you grow and you see the volume that you, you, I ha- you have to know there's a target on your back. Everyone's looking for you to fail. You know, my hater line is out the door. Okay. But I acknowledge that. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. But, you know, I'm taking precautions and taking thinking ahead, always thinking 100 years ahead, just in case. And if you ever want to grow, you have to let go of control. And I think that was the hardest thing for me. But also the best move I've ever made was to trust the right people. If I'm ever going to grow and, and you, you can't just be my voice always. Right. Um, and I've seen that progression. And if it wasn't for the key people in my office today, you know, I don't think a lot of them would be here. And, you know, we're always one employee or one move away from total destruction. <laughs> That's how I always look at the business, you know. So, you know, I've learned to be more patient. I've learned to kind of step away a little bit and let other people lead uh, where they need to and not be more, not be so micromanaging, uh, even though I am OCD and a control freak. But, you know, I, I'm the quarterback and I have to go down with the ship and I have to take responsibility. Uh, but that taught me a lot. And as I grow up more and more and become more experienced in this business, you know, I'm not leading with money. I'm leading with experience and maturity and, and gaining wealth in the mind. And as I continue to grow, I'm going to continue to focus on that in my relationships and sleeping well at night. Because if you're good at what you do, you'll always be okay. Yeah. So Greg, what do, you, what do you think about that? Developing trust, you know, as as your organization grew, I'm sure you went through some of the same things. Because I, I I know you, you're just everybody as much of a control freak as any other entrepreneur. You care deeply about the results in the business and, and what the client experience is and the P&L. And like you care about every single one of those elements at a deep level. How did you learn? What, what were some of the things that you learned to do as you learned to trust and let go of some of that control? Well, you know, I think that I, I've fooled you quite a bit, you know, and I and I and I think I fooled a lot of people in okay. um, that are in my surroundings. I, I'm probably the guy that is lacks discipline the most. I'm po- probably the person that like won't show up for my appointment. I, I, I'm the guy that won't show up. So okay. I bring that up because of this is if you notice when when you see me do things, I'm getting ready to go to on Sunday. I'm getting ready to go to Peru. And we're going to go hike Machu Picchu. But you notice I'm going to be going with probably six other people. When I when I'm going to the gym, I'm typically going to the gym with three or four other people. When I'm showing up to prospect from day one, I always prospected with people. When I was a prospector, I remember early days I was prospecting out of my mom's sewing room at her house with another guy. It was actually a, a Greg Sisson at that time. We were prospecting side by side. Oh now, here, here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I I always surrounded myself with people because that was a way of holding myself accountable. So I started early on always surrounding myself with people because I feared that if I was flying solo, I would never make it because I didn't have the discipline in order to do so. So I'm one of those that I, my entire company has been set up to protect me. Hmm. Now in, in the process, in the process, I got to stay in my lane and do what I felt I did best. And that Mm -hmm. helped me develop all the other people that I put in the environment to protect me. So we were both winning here. 
I was delegating for protection, and then I was focusing on what I was doing because now I was forced to be disciplined. I had the ultimate accountability, so I'm still in the grind doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And at the same to token, I'm developing the talent. Damn, that's that's really interesting. We're gonna have to have well, I we have to do a whole other solo episode on that. That's, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's yeah. I have many things I want to dive into with that conversation. Yeah. But Sam, we're getting back to you. Uh, it sounds to me like the the environment that you're building with your agents, especially young agents, and giving them a facility that they want to come into, you're you're doing a good job, at least from the outside looking in, of giving them that natural accountability of hey, here's a place to show up to and a group of people to plug into. So it's not like they're reporting to you. It's not about them showing up to a one-on-one -on -one and saying here are all the things I did in all my off time. It's them showing up with a group of people that are also doing the same things that you expect of yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here to be anyone's boss, honestly. Mm. You know, I have one boss at home, and that's my wife. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> other than that, like, you know, I want a, I want a place that's non-institutional, and I built this amazing office. You know, it really feels like home. I don't even have an office. I stand in, like, in front of two monitors, which is where the room in, I'm in now. I call it the storage room. You know, like, I don't care about the shine. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's kind of mm. like being a father, and, like, you want to see your children grow, and and be the best, like carry that lineage. I mean, and it may sound stupid to son, but like my agents are my family. I mean, this is what I've had. This is what I know for the last, you know, since I got my license when I was 18 years old, I'm 37 now. Like, this is my life, man. Like, this is everything to me. This is my name. This is what I've learned. This is how I become a sponge. You know, I owe it to the grind and failing and winning and, you know, so many different obstacles. But, you know, when I look at this office, it took me six months to build it. There's no walls. You know, it's totally open season. And even though it's a selfish industry and that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but when you walk in, you see other people being, are selling millions of dollars and they're there to help you and answer questions and even go to your appointment without asking you to nickel and dime you for a little bit of your commission. Like, I hate that. I don't want to be around that. It doesn't have to be like that. We, you know, we don't have to walk into an office of dinosaurs that are 70 million years old and that don't want to talk to anybody nor help anybody because they don't want to, nor they, they know how to. You know, everyone's yeah. taught to be closed in. And that's just not about real estate. That's life in general. Yeah. Everyone's to their own. Everyone wants to watch out for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to be in an environment where I can feel I can go up to anyone, talk to them on a level. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We are people. We're just human beings. And with that, we all have emotions. We all have a heart. You know, and like, yes, we are doing real estate. And yes, we have to pay bills. We already know all that stuff. Like, let's move on past that and focus on something else, which is cultivating our relationships and helping each other. Yeah. Mm. Hey, a question. So like, I'm sure, and maybe it never happens with you. Sometimes it happens with me. Um, but what happens, you know, when, when somebody, when you make that hire, that doesn't quite fit in, like you thought it, they fit in, but then you find out a little bit later that, 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 that they don't. Like, what does the system, does the team, the group, what takes place? I know what happens in my office when that occurs. I'm just kind of curious for you, when there is a mishire, you know, what's the process or, for that person being eliminated from the operation? Well, I mean, look, obviously, when, when we bring, if, if we're bringing on really inexperienced talent, then they need a mentor, right? Whether it's one of the team leads that's going to mentor them. First and foremost, we start by asking, do you have time to dedicate? And usually a lot of times they don't. So we don't hire anyone. But when we do and we see there's a rock star, there's good talent and they're on board because, you know, if you can't give somebody 100 percent of your time. I'm sorry. It's just not the right place for you. It's, it's, it's wrong. Um, but it, it typically the system flushes it out. One of the team leads will say, look, I don't think this is, this is the right fit. 
you know, you know, obviously anyone can go into an interview and have an amazing resume and blah, blah, blah. And then things can just be turned south. But typically our guys are super honest and we'll sit down with that person and we'll just tell them, look, I don't think this is the right fit for you. Whether it comes down to sales and we say, look, it's not just about us. Maybe the real estate industry is not for you, you know, or it just depends on the situation. Uh, but thankfully we don't really have that problem. And I think that because we really don't just go off of my word, I actually do get my people involved because I think it is important that I'm not the one. Yes, I may have the final say, but at the end of the day, you do want other people's opinions. You are going to have to deal with other people on the assembly line as part of the, part of the, the engine or the, you know, how this company runs. But we typically don't have that issue. But if there is an issue, people are pretty blunt about it and they're pretty direct because they know the lines of communication are open. Yeah. yeah. You know, Matt, there's there's I can imagine how much of a joy it is to run a company when the company is built off of givers versus takers. And when I was asking that question, I was imagining if somebody slipped in and and, and they were categorized as a taker, there's no way they would survive in his environment because it's an environment of givers and it would be so obvious if somebody comes in and they're a taker it it, it, it would probably they'd be flushed out in a second they probably fire themselves is what i would imagine would happen and, and, and if i could say something just to add to this you know a lot of people in my experience over time in running businesses a lot of people fall on their own sword right i mean it just happens and sometimes you don't have to be the bad guy yeah. or whatever they're going to look mm -hmm. at you as and that just t typically has been our storyline. I mean, if something does happen outside of somebody being direct, people tend to fall on their own sword and they start to realize that there's 40 people and there's only one of them. And they start to get the hints without us being like, you know, petty about it, right? It's just how it's kind of happened. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the advantages of having a physical space, Greg, over, over a virtual space. I think you can hide a lot. In a, in a virtual kind of environment, um, but when you when you have to show up to the same physical space and be around people and you have to rub shoulders and, uh, and press the flesh, so to speak, I think a lot of that comes out in the wash a lot faster and it's a lot easier for your dominant culture to flush out the people that aren't a good fit when they have to be in the same physical space. Yeah. Yeah, especially if people are, are really bought into your culture and they really believe in the firm and the model and where it's going, they really feel it's theirs. I mean, everyone is an owner here, you know? Yeah, love it. Well, Greg, we could go for a long time, and I've, I've got, yeah. you know, I'm sure we both got a couple of questions. Um, Sam, we'll take a step back for a second. What's the best way to reach out and connect with you, uh, and especially for referrals, and just remind people of the areas that you guys serve? Sure. I mean, we are in Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia. Um, you know, you can call me, 301-385-0049, or even email me at kite at onestreet.one, all spelled out. I'm very uh, reachable. I reply very quick. If you need anything, I'm happy to help. Well, and Greg, same question for you. Yeah, as I've been saying for the last couple of months, just reach out to me on Facebook Messenger. It's actually been working out very well to do that. Yeah. So appreciate for those that are reaching out that way. That's the best way. You get the best communication back from me for sure. Very cool. All right, so um, I've got one final question, unless Greg, unless there's something specific on your mind that you wanted to follow up on. No, go for it. Cool. So, Samer, what's what's the next step? Tell me a little bit. I, I know that you want the brokerage to grow. You've got kind of the model set up to where you can grow and you can attract more agents. But what do you think is the with the way that you have your business set up? What do you think is the biggest obstacle from you hitting, for example, the goals that you've set for next year? Is it agent count? Is it lead generation? Like, what do you think is the next big thing to tackle? You know, I am. Uh, 
I just feel like sometimes, you know, you're on your own, right? We're on an island by ourselves. And, you know, I really feel uh, indebted and like, uh, like my staff and my team mean everything to me. Um, And I really do care. And I, I, and I have sacrificed a lot, uh, put everyone else in front of me and, you know, I want to take them to the promised land. And, uh, you know, I want to continue to really cultivate technology and I want to be more efficient and, I know my, my crew is in the height of their careers right now. And regardless of variables in the marketplace, economy, whatever it may be, you know, DC is like the Vatican. You know, we're pretty insulated here with the government and Amazon and all these different companies here, tech firms. So I'm not concerned about getting business done. You know, I really just want to see us grow culturally. I know we're going to put money in their pockets by, you know, just expansion of technology and more leads. Um, but it's really, if, how do we leverage technology even more? How do we you know, get rid of the likes of the, not say get rid of, but like, you can't just always rely on Zillow and Realtor.com to make business happen, right? You know, what else is out there? How do we become the for, the forefront of that? How do we take agents and make them agents on demand? How do we, you know what I mean? Like, how do we become even more of the top 1%? I mean, these are the questions and the, I'm at a place now where I feel like 2019, you know, everyone's in the height of their career. Everyone's really poised to sell more and, and to grow personally on every level. And I just want to find more ways to help them grow. It's not always about recruiting and adding more to the mix, because if you can't take care of your base foundation crew, then it's not fair to bring others into that when these are the people that fought with you. And right now, I'm all focused on that. And I will sit down with everybody in the next couple of weeks, one-on-one, go over business plan, go over this past year, go over their goals, talk about whatever the hell they want to talk about, and, and, and also voice my thoughts and questions. So we can collectively figure out what the next moves are, not just for my world. Gotcha. Very cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, Sam, this has been a great conversation. I really, really appreciate it. We I love what you're doing there and, and love that you're able to just kind of pull back the curtain and uh, share. Hopefully people will reach out and connect with you if there's anybody in the area that's looking to uh, to connect and possibly start their real estate career. Maybe they know someone that is. I hope you guys will reach out. And then uh, yeah. for the podcast itself, if you live, leave a rating and review on iTunes, make sure to give Sam a shout out in the uh, rating and, uh, and thank him for his time, his contribution. So Gentlemen, fantastic, fantastic conversation. Sam or Greg, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sam. That was awesome.